Hey guys, my name's Jessica. Welcome to Unveiling the Scriptures podcast with Pastor Steve Curtis and Jared Curtis. Grab your Bibles as they continue the study into the book of Revelation. Glad to be with you here at Unveiling the Scriptures. I don't know what episode it is. I don't know where we are in, as far as that is concerned. But we're going through the book of Revelation, and uh, that's not an easy task. You know, sometimes uh, some of the easier books, and I don't know that any book is really easy, but they're just a little bit easier to understand. But the book of Revelation, it, it, there's so much symbolism there's so much um, things that are going on. There's some horrific things that take place. Um, but, uh, but it's a powerful book because all the way through the words uh, that John gives us, we see a whole lot of mercy and grace that God extends. I remember you teaching one time and you were, by the way, I'm Steve Curtis and this is Jared and we're <laughs> We're here doing the podcast, but I remember you teaching one time, and you talking about the Old Testament, how a lot of people believe that in the Old Testament that uh, that that it's just all all judgment, if you please, all war, all uh, God's just just destroying nations and that kind of thing. But that but but while judgment does take place, there's a whole lot of grace even in the Old Testament. Even uh, uh, with with some of the horrific things that happen, it's kind of like Noah. God looked on the earth and he saw that it was wicked, and he says, "I probably should destroy." Not probably, that's an added word, but <laughs> I should destroy the world. Word, but in, in Genesis chapter six, it says, "But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord." So throughout the Scripture, and even in the Book of Revelation, we see a lot of grace where there should be judgment. We, we see a lot of mercy where God had every right to just turn his back on mankind, but he extended us the gospel of Christ so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. Well, and you're making a really important point that I, I try to press uh, with everyone whenever I start talking about in the Bible, um, whenever I start talking about suffering or start talking about you know the, the the horrible things that happen in this world and we talk about where man stands in relationship to god because i think we often want to assume that man's kind of okay and god makes things better and and you couldn't be any further from the truth right right so uh, when we look all the way back to the very beginning of the bible in the book of genesis God, being a just God, had every right. As soon as an as soon as sin took place on planet Earth, to annihilate the whole thing, mm. he had that right. Right. Then to take it a step further, so he decided to show mercy, right, and allow <clears throat> life to continue to exist and to flourish, and the world to populate, and people still kept sinning. So on a personal level, at the very first sin, he had every right to take that person out of existence because he's God. But we don't like to start from that perspective. And so as we move into and we start talking about the book of Revelation, it's important to make sure that we're looking from the proper perspective, from the proper point of view. Because if we're looking at it and we're the ones judging God, mm. saying, well, if I'm God, this is how it should work out. Mm-hmm. Well, then a lot of this is going to look incredibly horrible. Now, it's not fun. The mm-hmm. things that we're going to talk about, they're not fun. They are horrible situations. But even in the midst of the horrible situations, God is still not unleashing total judgment, the completion of it, all at one time. He's right. still giving space for yeah, grace. Like he's and got mercy. this uh, spiritual restraining order that he has placed so that 
so that uh, man, he gives man the ability, the opportunity to experience his grace if he would repent and follow him. So um, powerful, powerful book. And the Bible, it's, you know, and a lot of people won't read the Bible because they say it's a book of judgment, and it is. Mm-hmm. We don't want to d- deceive anybody and say it's not. It is. But it's it's more than that. It's a book of grace. It's a book of mercy. So we're getting in the book of Revelation tonight. Uh, we need to do a little bit of a review. We won't go back and review all the way to the front. We'd be spending most half the time talking about our review. So we encourage you to... Um, to listen to previous podcasts, and uh, you'll you'll get filled in on a lot of the details that uh, we're not going to cover just in review. Uh, we're we're again, and we're going to be beginning in chapter eight tonight. Uh, we know that back in chapter five, uh, all of heaven or the throne room became silent because there was a scroll and they couldn't find anybody worthy to open the scroll. And so the Bible tells us that John is just breaking down in this, uh, this, this deep seated weeping. And then all of a sudden we hear that there is one who is worthy and it's the lamb of God. And he takes the scroll and he begins to open the scroll. And within the scroll, there are seven seals and as he, uh, as he opens each of the seals, uh, we see judgments that c- come forth. In fact, um, the first seal, of course, we've all heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first seal was the white horse, which it was a, a horse, a false piece, we believe to be the Antichrist. The second seal was red, meaning war. That war was going to be taking place. The third seal that opened up was the black horse, which was famine, that there would be severe famine in the land. And then the fourth seal was the pale horse, which is death. He goes on to the fifth seal, which are the cries of the martyrs from under the altar for God to enact vengeance uh, on their behalf. And then, uh, and then the sixth seal in fact, I almost have to read that because there's a quite a bit. There's an earthquake. There's uh, uh, the sun became black. The, the uh, and the, the moon became like blood. The stars, like a- asteroids or meteor, fell from the sky, uh, and the, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled. Uh, every mountain and island was removed from its place. Just all kinds of terrible things going on. Uh, and uh, in fact, those who will not believe and will not repent, uh, they're saying follow they're, they're saying things like uh, uh, then the king, let me just read it. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks. Fall on us, is what they're saying. Hide us from the face. Notice they know who's doing the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's not, It's not. I wonder why this is happening. But they say, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, who can stand? And the, the, the sad thing is, Jared, that even though, and just, you know, we will see or we have seen, that people will come to Christ, that there will be a, a, a revival of many thousands of people who will give their lives to Christ. However, most of them will not. Most of them will suffer judgment. And so as we go into chapter 7, we see a couple things that are happening. The first thing is the 144,000. There's a lot of talk about the 144,000, but there's simply 12,000 from each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel and they're sealed. They're protected during this horrible time of tribulation that we're in here. Um, and and they're like evangelists in the world. And then uh, in the last part of chapter 7, we see that those who were martyred in the uh, tribulation, who stood for Christ and who maybe were tortured or uh, uh, martyred or uh, suffered severely, uh, were worshiping God around his throne. And uh, 
and 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 we you can read that chapter. It's just a wonderful picture of those who are grateful that God had saved them. In fact, he says, therefore, uh, they, uh, excuse me, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Speaking of these tribulation, uh, um, those who suffered in the tribulation, these tribulation martyrs and, and um, serve him day and night in the in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching uh, heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so uh, we see in the midst of horrific time, we see again God's grace extended. But now as we enter into chapter 8, um, we see the seventh seal is opened. And um, would you like to read maybe the first few verses there? The first, uh, oh, probably uh, four or five verses there. All right, let's take a look. Uh, scripture says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. That's kind of odd. So, yeah. I mean, so we have worship. All kinds of noise going on, you know. Not bad noise, but there's worship, there's there's praising God. The angels are singing, the creatures are are singing. I mean, there's this kind of um, roar that's going on, and then all of a sudden, things get ready. It's it kind of reminds me of when we were when I was young, and we lived in Fort Lauderdale, and the hurricanes would come. And uh, always right before they would strike, it seemed like there was a, a calm before the storm. The things just calmed down. And then the storm would, would, uh, would rage and the winds were bad. Our house was boarded up. My mom would be sitting with a, with a, a hurricane map trying to track where that hurricane was going. And you could look. My dad had boarded the windows and you could look through the, the side where the board and, and a little bit of a window would show and you'd see trees just blowing uh, horribly and uh, just getting caught in the wind, things just blowing around. And then when the eye came over, Everything got calm. So this is kind of the calm, not before the storm, because the storms is already hit between the storm. And then I think it's it's in a preparation for judgment. That silence kind of is the precursor to judgment. It's about ready to, to yeah, be enacted. We don't know exactly what's written inside of this scroll, but what we can gather from Scripture is it's the unfolding of God's um, final judgment and culmination of time. Like he's he's wrapping this thing up. And so we just talked about the, the horsemen. We talked about the the martyrs. We talked about um, this ecological uprising and things. I'm getting crazy. Mm-hmm. And now that seventh seal has been opened, the seventh of the seven. And like you said, it's like, well, what's next? Mm. This this kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's fear, if it's anticipation, if it's, mm. but we get the sense that everything stops. John goes on to say, then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Well, what we have here is something that's really interesting is because if we, if we recall in the Old Testament, when, when Moses uh, took the children of Israel from Egypt, he led the children of Israel from Egypt, 
uh, God instructed him to build a tabernacle, which later was was uh, built as a temple. And there, uh, in that tabernacle, <clears throat> there are different rooms and different pieces of furniture. We won't get into that. Uh, but in the holy place, uh, there was some furniture that was interesting. But the, one of the most interesting pieces of furniture was uh, was the the golden, I think it's the golden, um, he, he talked, golden, you know, the altar. It says, and the angel came and stood at the altar with a golden, golden censer. And 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 uh, what what would be there is, uh, is, I can't remember what it's called now. My mind's gone. But but right in front of the veil that was before, the, that separated the holy place and the holy of holies was the, this censer. That they would burn incense, mm-hmm. and it and those incense that were burnt were pictures of the prayers of those that were offered, and so what we see here is it's silent. This angel stands before this, because uh, I believe in heaven. I don't mean to stop, but I believe that in heaven, that there will be uh, the real temple. The real and the f- pieces of furniture that were inst- instructed by Moses to to put in place in the tabernacle uh, was just a replica of what's really going on in heaven. And so we see that um, that the Lamb opened this 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 seventh seal. There's there's a half hour of silence, and then um, the seven angels who stand before God, and there are seven trumpets. Um, that were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and, um, uh, excuse me, and the, and was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before them. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from that, from the hand of the angel. So the picture here is that the prayers that had been offered are, are lifted up. And what's about to happen is actually an answer to prayer. Uh, the the, the uh, tribulation saints who are struggling, who are suffering, are saying, God, we, we pray for vengeance. We pray that you, you, you take care of this. And, you know, God is a God of vengeance. Vengeance simply means applied justice. And so God is enacting this vengeance about to do with these seven trumpets because the seven seals are bad. The seven trumpets are worse. And then we're going to talk about the seven bowls later on, which are a whole lot worse. So the prayers of the people saying, God, we need justice. And God is beginning to enact justice on, on sinful man, on unrepentant sinners, on, on a sin stained world. I think, and don't, Quote me on this, but I believe that the censer was shaped uh, similar to like almost like a staff that had kind of an orb on the end of it, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so the sense the the incense would be put in, would be lit. And mm-hmm. okay, so so with that same imagery, we've got the seven angels with the seven trumpets that. We haven't even talked to yet, right? Right. We haven't even engaged with them. This other angel shows up. It's another angel. We don't know who the angel is. Right. Um, I know some people um, have argued that it might be Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do know that when we look at that in the Greek, the word for another, there's two words that mm-hmm. can be used for that. One is an additional, mm-hmm. as in the same kind as this, or it can be a different. There's two different words. This word is the same kind. Mm. So I don't know if it's a high-ranking angel. I don't know. But we know that it has. it's not the seven, but this this angel comes in, has the censer, and, and this is, I mean, so you've got a Jewish man who grew up understanding Old Testament, understanding mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the symbolism, the understanding... Um, the history and what took place in the Old Testament. It, he's the guy, John is the guy that's that's writing this down. So when he sees these things, he knows what's going on. He understands that when he sees the angel doing this, that exactly what you're talking about, that's the prayers. And then, like, picture this for a second. 
and, and you want to talk about an image of fulfillment of prayer, he takes that same scepter, fire inside of it, right? Takes coal, the coal, mm-hmm. if I remember that correctly, places it in there, a fire, which we know when you see fire, mm-hmm. 99.99999% of the time, we're talking about judgment. Okay. He picks up that very same scepter that was used to release that sweet smell to he who sits on the throne, mm-hmm. and he throws it, mm-hmm. right? So now it's no longer just this, this instrument of praise. Mm-hmm. It is now the instrument of judgment. Of, just, of judgment, yeah. And so then he turns and he tosses it at the earth. And so um, if we pick it back up in verse 5, then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar— and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquake. It's almost like this angel, and and I don't mean this disrespectfully, so so stay with me when I say this. Like he was, he is the opening act to what is about to come. Mm-hmm. Like he sets the scene, he sets the stage. First, we we're still worshiping. It's been quiet. But we're still worshiping. The prayers mm-hmm. of the saints are being lifted to God. We're still worshiping. And he says, okay, now it's about to get a little bit silly, mm-hmm. right? And so the scene is set with lightning, with thunder, earthquake, right? The scene is set that it's, it's about to get real. Mm-hmm. And that brings us into verse 6. Do you want me to go ahead and sure, go read ahead. verse 6? And, and and actually, it's an answer to prayer. If, we, if you read the Lord's Prayer, there's a couple things going on here that, that go along with that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. That's being done in chapter 7. He is being exalted. Mm-hmm. Thy kingdom come. That's happening. The process of bringing in the kingdom. That's all the, the tribulation is. It's that process of bringing in the kingdom of God. And the picture that we have, Jared, is is that Old Testament Joshua who goes into the uh, promised land and and they have to clear out the promised land mm-hmm. so that the people of God can dwell there. Uh, and and in a larger scale, on a larger scale, what's going on here is that Jesus, it, this is that process that Christ is allowing to happen and directing to happen for, uh, I think it's about chapter 19, when the second coming of Christ occurs. But this is all in preparation for for Jesus to take the deed, if you please, and rule and reign the on the earth for another 4,000 years to take over. And so the same picture that was given in, in the Old Testament of the, of, the, of the Israelites going into their home, now on a worldwide scale— Judgment is taking place. Uh, those uh, who are, you know, caught up in their sin, you know, will be judged. Those who have been redeemed will be saved and be a part of this new kingdom that he's about to bring up down the road. We're not going to get there yet, but it's down the road. Well, and this is why what we opened with is so important right. to understand. Because uh, it would be easy to look at this from our finite, detached thought when it comes to the Word of God, to say, well, that just sounds horrible. All this sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. This is all stuff that rightfully could have happened Mm -hmm. immediately. And that's something to keep in mind when we read this stuff. You're talking about the unveiling of the judgment that was earned thousands of years ago, thousands and thousands of years ago. And so what I think is really interesting, too, so when we start referring back to the Old Testament, also, how many times did we hear God tell his people to go into the land and annihilate everything? Right. Everything. And that was his way of making that place holy, set apart Mm -hmm. to him and his people. But if you back all the way up to a conversation between God and Abraham, when he first starts telling him, I'm going to give you this land, he Mm -hmm. says— but yet, I can't remember the name of the people that were there, and I probably should have been better prepared. But the writer of Genesis says that 
that group of people that live in the land where I'm, where Canaanites, God's going to take, Canaanites? was it the Canaanites yeah, and the, uh, the, uh, I want to say it was like, I want, I want to say they used like the Amalekites. Was that the right Amalekites word? Were that enemies, might've been the right yeah. group, mm-hmm. but he named specifically says they have not, in essence, they haven't sinned all their sin, but they're heading there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because just right. the Jews weren't the only ones. Well, Abraham, of course, there was no Jews at that time, but God's law holds true to the entire world, mm-hmm. not just Abraham's right. line. Mm-hmm. And so while God chose Abraham for no reason other than him choosing to make right. Abraham righteous, there's still a whole world that's sinning against God, mm-hmm. that's going against their creator, that at that time could have justly been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And what he was telling Abraham, in essence, was, mm-hmm. I'm still giving them grace. Yeah. I'm still giving yeah. them grace. Yeah. I'm still giving them mercy. Right? I'm still allowing them more time, more time. And so now we fast forward, and what's taking place is time's up. Mm-hmm. In the same way that the time was up for those that lived in the land when he was bringing uh, the Hebrews into it, we're hitting the end of time where... Jesus is saying that, you know, God's saying that the seal is open, the seals are opening, the scroll is opening, it time's up. And and still, and, and still, still yeah. he offers grace <laughs> and he offers mercy. Well, let's move on because we get to the, the as you open the seventh seal, it goes into the seven trumpets. Um, you want me to read this? Yeah, sure. Now the seven angels who had who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. It's kind of like on your mark, get set. Angels on your mark, get set, blow. Here we go. You know? yeah. Okay. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and a third of the uh, green grass was burned up. Um, let's see. Okay, let's just stop there. Uh, he begins judgment. And now, he doesn't judge people yet here, although people will be obviously uh, involved with some of these judgments, but he's really uh, focusing the judgments, first of all, on, on, the, on the vegetation, you know, on the trees. And when it says trees, it, uh, that traditionally is translated as fruit trees. And so, um, so there's this judgment, this fire, this hail, and I think I got to get this right. I can't remember. It's one of the plagues that in uh, that Egypt uh, experienced as Moses. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. It's I think it's the seventh plague, but I'm not ab- absolutely sure. Where uh, the 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 you know I I can only think about when I went to Missouri one time and there was an ice storm. Uh, that my parents, in fact, my mom and dad back then, my dad was alive. And back then they had to go stay in a motel for a couple of days because all the power was out. These ice storms were so severe when you, when you drove down the road, it was like the tops of the trees had, somebody just came by and just tore them off. It, it looked pretty, pretty devastating. Uh, those kind of things are going on here. That first trumpet is an attack on vegetation. It's attack on the green grass, if you please. It's attack on, um, on the trees and that kind of thing, which of course would, uh, cause some real issues, uh, with animals as well, because if you have no grass, you know, cows have nothing, mm-hmm. no food, no hay, no, uh, so people, so the veg- vegetable industry, the, the milk and meat industry suffered greatly because of this first trumpet. And so try to, try to put yourself judgment in, try to put yourself in, in John's position as he's trying to, to witness all of this. The stage is set. Thunder, lightning, first trumpet blows. And and so what we do know is, all right, so when you start talking about the book of Revelation, things get weird, yeah. especially when you start looking at different commentaries. You start looking at like what different yeah. people look in, and there's all kinds of different approaches to it. But let's just be silly and, and say that what John sees, John sees. Right. All right. Let's, and we're not going to try to, change it we're not going to we're going to say right so there's 
there's this hail and fire. He sees hail. He sees fire. He sees blood. What we don't know is how exactly all that's taking place. Right. We could be seeing uh, – he could be seeing blood and fire that is the result from the ice, from the hail, the destruction that's taking place. The gases and things just, out on there. I mean it could appear that way. Yeah. It, I mean it right. could just – it could be – I mean, real devastation. Let's not make the mistake of just picturing red hail that's falling and bouncing off of cars and things like that. Okay. Or, or I mean, there's two sides to that or two ways to look at that. It could be blood of the people that are experiencing Mm -hmm. this attack. It could be the gases and the things that are within the elements that made it look blood red. Either way, it was, uh, it, you know. Well, because you were even talking about what you saw when you went to go visit Grandma and Grandpa mm-hmm. in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you've told that story before and, and even like in some areas and to what might be comparable to a war zone, just right. destruction. Mm-hmm. And so, again, let's put ourselves in the place of John looking into a future that He's never seen. I mean, he, right. you know, there's a lot. Right, right. But, but there's this destruction going on. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to understand that. Third of the earth. Right. That, that, that's kind of like North and South America. It's, it's considered to be like a, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's North it's and South right. America. <laughs> it, actually, it's all working towards where, where Israel will be the, the central point. Gotcha. But, but. It's that is a third of the world, North and South America, and uh, that's a that's a big chunk mm-hmm. of of real estate. So, I mean, so you're you're talking. I mean, you're talking some major destruction by hail, by fire, and and yeah, he goes and he gives us the amount right. All the green grass is is burned up. So, I mean, we're not even talking. We haven't even gotten into some of the other stuff yet, but just just the first trumpet and. We would probably attribute it to a total annihilation. I mean, can you imagine? Think about a third. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you remember Katrina, right? Mm-hmm. And how devastating uh, that area. That's just a small area in of the country yeah. in comparison. This is a third of the world. So we're talking about major disaster, major catastrophe. And that's trumpet and that's one. Trumpet number one. Let's go to trumpet number two. It gets better. So he leaves the land or the judgment, the, the trumpet judgment, first trumpet judgment uh, exits the land. And it says a second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain was burning with fire, was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So, so picture if you please. Uh, mountains. I love mountains. We're, we're going to go to the mountains and I love mountains. They're majestic. They're beautiful. But, but try to put this in your head for a minute just to try to get, understand what's going on. So this mountain is on fire, the whole mountain and picture this gigantic angel, if you please, picking this mountain up, you know, and, and throwing it into the sea. That of course would directly affect the temperature in the ocean, <laughs> and uh, and so this second this second trumpet is 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 pretty bad because the third of the living creatures in the sea died. This affects it. People made their living on uh, uh, from uh, catching fish. You know the sea. Uh, this of course probably almost devastated their business. Um, and uh, and if there's ships on the sea, a third of them are destroyed. I mean, that would affect the superpowers of the world, mm-hmm. you know, who are uh, out to sea or out in the ocean. So it's it's pretty dr- drastic and dramatic. Yeah, I I mean, I don't I don't even really have a whole lot more to add to that. It's just the insane. It's insane to to kind of so it, there's all these like end of days and they're really dumb movies, but they're fun mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it 
a lot of them will be wrapped around the idea of this gigantic, you know, asteroid or something coming to Earth. And that could kind of give us an idea of the impact that it's going to have. I mean, we're talking, and, and this doesn't even talk about what would the what would the repercussions of something like that landing in the sea as far as immediate impact? What does that do as far as like tsunamis or what does it do? You know, what is the yeah. the immediate impact of that? So it's going to upend everything. Yeah. And when you start talking about water turning to blood. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's... Yeah, and, and so a man hasn't been attacked directly yet. So we have the vegetation, a third of that is gone. We have the sea, mountains basically going into the sea. You're right, all kinds of tsunamis and, and horrible things. The ships are being destroyed. The sea life is being destroyed. You can imagine the stench uh, of, of the death uh, of, of sea creatures. Uh, it's just a horrific sight. And then we get to the third one. And I'll go ahead and read that. The third, the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from, from heaven. There's this again, uh, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. And that word Wormwood just simply means bitter or undrinkable. It's basically poisonous. And uh, so so this third angel, the, this third trumpet, uh, we, we have an attack on the uh, fresh water. We've had an attack on the land or the vegetation. We've had an attack on the salt water, the sea. Mm-hmm. And now there's attack on the uh, fresh water of the world. So, uh, so our food supply is going to be um, damaged uh, severely and uh anything any the wormwood has to do with what is bitter uh and and that people uh the i think it was the first plague in egypt that uh, the the nile became like Mm -hmm. blood and the people couldn't drink it because the stench was so bad so people the waters is contaminated and polluted uh not only not only in the in the saltwater side, but also in the in you know the the freshwaters. I I was sharing Sunday when we was talking about this that uh, when we were kids, we used to go to the springs in North Carolina, and the water was so cold and it was so pure. Uh, that won't be the case here. That won't be the case. Well, and this is the first time that we see John mention that many people die. Right. From the water. So it, it's almost as if, like, we're looking at the slow release of each each one of these trumpets getting to the point to where now it's, it's you know, the food, the water source, everything's been, been impacted and been contaminated. And now we're starting to see people die um, again. It's things that that God has been warning his people about, has been warning the planet about mm-hmm. since the beginning of time, since the beginning of, well, when sin entered the world. He promised us that death is the penalty for, mm-hmm. for sin. And yet he continued to extend grace and extend mercy, but now we're getting to a point to where... It, it's starting to run out. Mm-hmm. It's starting to run out. And and still, people are not going to turn to them. Repent. They're not going right. to repent. They're right. still going to die in that same sin mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this. Well, and so, so they can no longer go to the land. <laughs> they can no longer go to the seas. They can no longer depend upon the fresh water or the the fresh water and so maybe they can look to the skies maybe there'll be some relief there but right i mean everything that they could possibly even consider 
as being in their control mm-hmm. is no longer in their control. And it gets there worse. None. It gets worse. As you get to verse 12, it says, The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that the third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. So what I see is, is okay, the land, the sea, the fresh water, and now the light in a sense. And so God is dimming, if you please, the light of the earth. And two things happen. First of all, God's, that's God's judgment. But what happens when man is living in darkness? He does dark things. Mm-hmm. And so not only is the judgments of God happening, you think the you think man would turn around and repent, but he doesn't. In fact, what I believe is he gets darker. Uh, with, I think it's John 3 that says, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And you would think people would wake up and say, okay, the, 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 the vegetation's been attacked. Our water sources have been attacked. And uh, now, now our lighting system, if you please, has been attacked. I think I ought to repent. Yeah, and they don't. Well, and in, in uh, yeah, when I read this and look at it, I I don't believe that it's necessarily that the sun is going to be a third less as bright. I think that we're talking about the extent of the sun's light, like you were saying, like we're going to be in darkness. Right. A third of the time longer. Right. And it's going to it's going to drop mankind into a longer state of darkness physically mm-hmm. than right. it has ever existed existed in. And and you're right. I mean, what do we associate when do most of the horrible things in this world take place when, when people are trying to be secret and they're trying to be um, kind of sly and slick about it. And it, it happens in the dark. It happens in the night. That's when the, yeah. and so, and so now what's happening is, is you have a physical representation of light being pulled from the world. And so that's, that's another thing that I just kind of want to talk about just for a little bit that we fail to realize we live in this world and we we want to be mad at God when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And and what we fail to realize is that the fact that bad things don't happen all the time is attributed to God. Yes. And his grace yes. and his love and his presence. Mm-hmm. We fail to realize that those that don't know Christ, all the good that they do is a reflection of God's presence mm-hmm. in this universe. Mm-hmm. Because without him, we don't we don't know good. We don't do good. Right. You can say people can talk all day long about well cultures and societies and no listen. You have a group of people, and we don't even know what this is like. And there's been some bad people on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. You take a group of people and you remove the presence of God mm-hmm. completely. And it's devastation. Yeah. It's they that's will annihilate is. themselves. That's it will part be part of what hell is. Yeah, and so that's what we're starting to see. Yeah, when the light is removed, when God is removed, so the, the wrath of God is tied to the removal of God. As mm-hmm. far as that's his, good, His grace and well, not only the not only the removal of God. That's that's you're absolutely right. That's the main thing, but then the releasing of evil. Because yeah. because Satan and his demonic forces are being restrained, right. you know, and, and God is still very um, calculated on how this is happening here. If he would just say, OK, I'm just going to turn my back on evil and whatever happens, happens, the world would be destroyed within minutes. Right. Because Satan and we're going to get to that in the next study. It's it's quite a study because we think, and and this is about finished. We think, Oh, this is awful. You know, trees, you know, and, and fish 
And, uh, and you know, of course, it's going to affect the flying creatures when, mm. you know, all of this. But wait till the wait till the spiritual realm gets involved. This is just physical. It's violent. It's 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 wicked. It's evil. It's catastrophic. But it, it kind of like the old saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, the worst is yet to come. Uh, let, let me go ahead and read this next verse because this next verse sets us up for what's to come. It says. Scripture says in verse 13, listen to this. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Some people say that that translation of the word eagle is also can be translated angel, too. Don't know for sure. Well, it has to do with the spelling. Right. So, right. And I think in, in some of the translation that the, there is um, some um, uncertainty for some people, like what? Letters, because the words look an awful lot alike. Right, right. The eagle and angel, mm -hmm. uh, when spelled out in the Greek. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I Doesn't think matter. If we waste our time with that, and we miss the message. <laughs> well, now listen what he says, because and and I can give a quick a quick application here on this. <laughs> we like application anyway. Then I looked and I heard an eagle or angel with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, that those that can be translated sorrow and despair, sorrow and despair, sorrow and despair to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. In other words, you think it's bad now? You hadn't seen anything yet. You think it's bad now? The worst is yet to come. And it really is. And the reason I think it is is because we think life is all about the physical. Mm -hmm. And that, it does affect, because we live in physical bodies and we feel fleshly and physical pain, but it's not the worst. You know, I go back to when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, oh Lord, you know, it, you know if, if you can let this cup pass from me, uh, you know, uh, He's praying and because he understands the severity of what's about to happen. And when we read that and we've read the crucifixion story, we say, well, that's about, that's about, you know, the, the, the nails pierced and, you know, the flogging and which is horrific. It's about the physical torture, but I don't believe that. No. I believe that what Jesus dreaded more than anything else, although he did it willingly, was the spiritual the spiritual wrath that was going to be placed on him for our sin. The physical was bad. The physical showed us people who live in, in these mortal bodies how, and we don't like pain, you know, how painful this process of crucifixion was. But I think it's so much more than that. I think Jesus knew that he was taking the full judgment of us on himself. The spiritual, which I can't even express. I don't even understand. Right. Uh, and so when this angel or ego, whoever is saying, whoa, he's saying, you think what you saw was bad. You think what you've experienced is bad. Get ready. It's going to get a whole lot worse. And here's my application. You just don't want to be there. Because throughout the scripture, we begin to see, Jared, this is so cool. We begin to see that when it gets bad, that God, even those martyrs, he's pulling them away. Mm -hmm. He's protecting them. Those 144,000 who will not who will not suffer this 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 uh, disaster on themselves? Those who now they'll suffer, you know, the, the, there will be suffering. These four hundred forty-four thousand are actually sealed or protected, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, and there are believers who will suffer and go through horrible things. But as we began to see the spiritual unleashing of evil, actually the unleashing yeah. of spiritual evil, maybe, maybe I should say. Uh, it is, it's getting worse. It's, as we say, it's about to get real.
Yeah. So yeah, as you were talking, as you were talking about the the crucifixion story and <clears throat> the amount of time that Christ was brutalized and beaten and tortured once he says my god why have you forsaken me uh-huh. logically that can bring us to a couple conclusions number one it wasn't about the physical pain it was about the physical pain he would have cried that numerous times right right that that's the only time too that he calls that's the only time he calls his father God. And that was my second oh, point. I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean, no, no, no. That's, steal that's, that no, no, yeah. that's exactly it though. Yeah. At the extent of the extent of what he was experiencing. Only this one time uh-huh. does he address his father as God because of that spiritual There's not even a word. I want to say pain, wrath, devastation. There's not a word that can paint the picture properly. Right, right. And so that wrath that Jesus took upon himself for the ones that that God will redeem is the same wrath that is going to land on those that will not accept Correct. They have to they have to Somebody face judgment. They have to pay for it. Yeah, they have to pay. And it's it's not a matter of you know, it's it, it's not a matter of Jesus' payment being thrown out like, I don't know, like the one St. Candy dish at the gas station that they used to have years ago. And people can, well, yeah, I'll take it and that'll be great. And, mm-hmm. and others, well, no, it's not that. No, see, it is spiritual life and death. And that's what we're talking right. about. It is a spiritual... Um. And in one point, you're talking about a total disconnect from the grace and mercy of God. And then at the same time, a total acceptance of all of his wrath. Mm. And I, I, like you said, we don't want to be there. Yeah. We, we don't want to experience that. And, and even today, God still is extending that grace and mercy. He is. Now, uh, Scripture says now is the accepted time of salvation. Now is the time when... When, as bad as this world is, it's not near of what it's going to be, and it's we live in that what I call parentheses. We live in that uh, in in that um, uh, interlude between between uh, the sixty ninth week of Daniel, which we haven't got into the seventy weeks of Daniel. There's that parentheses. You know, that pause, if you please. And then the 70th week of Daniel is what we're talking about here, actually. People may not know that, but this is this is the 70th, the tribulation, seven-year tri- tribulation period is that 70th week of Daniel, and it is horrific. And what people will experience who do not know Christ is the wrath of God, the, the, the consequence of their sin, and the wrath of God against that sin. And if we come to Christ, that wrath that was supposed to be uh, enacted against us was enacted against Christ, and therefore uh, we have we have forgiveness, not because we deserve it, we uh, nor did we earn it, nor right. do we even have any say in it. Right, you know. Uh, he did that for us. Sometimes I, I think it's good, Jerry, that we take this moment and 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 and, and ponder on the on the 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 truth. Ponder about the truth of what God did for us. You know, we say this is horrible and terrible, but what was enacted, what was uh, uh, placed on Jesus, was th- all of this, if you please. That should have been placed on us was placed on him. So those who are believers do not experience this. That's why I say over and over when I preach a message, you don't want to be mm-hmm. there. And those who believe won't be there. You know, John's not there in the sense that he's in the midst of mm-hmm. it. He's watching it. Mm-hmm. And John, of course, I think is a picture of the church. Yeah. 
and we're watching these things go on. These tribulation saints, uh, martyrs, are watching this going on, going on, and still those know who it is and still won't repent. And and if I could emphasize one other point that you often uh, that you often make when when you do um, when you preach and and as you've been going through this series, nobody's nobody's going to get scared into heaven. Right. right. And we need we need to make it clear that it's not even a message of getting out of this, mm-hmm. getting out of hell, getting yeah, into intelligence. heaven. Right. Yeah. It, that's not what we're talking right. about, because right. that's not even a thing. Like, I know we believe that based on the understanding of Scripture. That's not even a thing. Mm-hmm. I was having that conversation with somebody just the other day uh, talking about how I can remember when I was a kid thinking, well, I said the prayer. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us will live that way, mm-hmm. and, and, and we've missed the point. What this mm-hmm. shares with us, and, and if there is somebody that's watching this that doesn't, know, that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, this is what I want to push for you to consider. Is it's not about escaping hell. It's not about escaping final judgment. It's not about going to heaven. It's about knowing the one that holds all this mm-hmm. in his hands. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were created right. for. Right. Knowing him and the point that we've made over and over at the end of this conversation is that there's these truths that cannot be denied. One is that God can't be around sin. Two, sin has to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. It has to. And then three is that Christ is the dealing. He dealt with the wrath for anyone that God calls to him. Mm-hmm. For anybody that becomes a follower of Jesus, that, that, that bows their spiritual knee to the God of the universe, mm-hmm. and not to escape. See, that's the thing is that is the God that wants us to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He wants He wants us in his family. He is not willing that any, right? right? God doesn't sit in heaven and think, well, I can't wait till this person goes to hell. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah, right, desire right. that at all. Right. That same God that's in control of all of this wants us to be in his family, in the throne room as John is, mm-hmm. when all of this takes place. So for anyone that may not be a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. And listen to this. It's not about scaring you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. We want you to know who God is. Mm-hmm. That's because that's, yeah. that's yeah. where the that, life change the scaring happens. thing doesn't work ever. You know, I've seen it. I've seen people cry. And then the, you know, the next week there's no change in their life. Right. They prayed a prayer. They walked an aisle. They cried because maybe they got scared. I don't know, yeah. but that doesn't say it never really saves anybody. I remember when I came to Christ, I didn't come to Christ because I was scared. I mm. came to Christ because I wanted to know Christ, and um, and so and so. A- as we conclude this, it's 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 about to get on a spiritual realm. It's been on a physical realm, but in chapter nine, uh, we're going to be looking at a um, we're going to be looking at uh, the forces of evil who will um, not be restrained. The restraint becomes less. Mm. So. That's not good news. The good news is if you know Christ and, and instead of saying, well, you know, how can I, you know, how can I, you know, sign up for this fire insurance? <laughs> no, say, you know, if I know Christ, he is, he has just been so gracious to me and merciful to me. And I want to thank him. Maybe, maybe the most, if you want to do application, just, just, just do a, a night of gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a heart of thanksgiving. I think that the response is to pray, that we seek God even more. God, I want to know you more. Use me to lead those who are lost, you know, to show them who you are. And they can have that the judgment that is meant for them was placed on Christ. And we don't have to take it anymore. So powerful book. It's a powerful book. You want to close in prayer? Yeah, let's okay. pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you again for uh, the opportunity that we have to read your word, to discuss your word. And, and God, we 
we love you and we thank you so much for, for loving us, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, for showing us mercy and grace uh, that just overflows abundantly. And God, we ask that anybody that, that might be checking this out, if they don't know you, that they make the, the effort today at this time to ask you to reveal yourself to them, God, because we know that your word says that you desire to unleash your wisdom on anyone that asks, and you want to do it, you want to unleash it lavishly. <laughs> mm. So God, I ask that you call anyone that may be uh, watching this that doesn't know you, that you call them to you, mm. that you give them the strength and the courage to ask for you to show up in their life, God. We thank you again so much for your word, for your letter to us, and we thank you again for uh, the love and the love, the grace and mercy that that we do not deserve. Uh, please uh, protect us and continue to guide us as we read through your word and and learn uh, learn to know you more in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Unveiling the Scriptures podcast. We'll see you next time.